Yeah, in the text today. Let's see, I'm going down to verse 12, aren't I, Marlene? What's the verse numbers I'm going to? 1 to 10? Okay, thank you. Oh, yeah, okay, I see that there. Uh, okay, uh, just uh, before we read, let's bow in prayer. Sorry, I had a, a brain freeze at the moment there. Father God, thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that we can come together to look at your word. And I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us clearly and faithfully uh, during this time in the power of your Holy Spirit and help us, Lord. Give us wisdom for how we live our lives both uh, at, in the in life of the church as, as well as in the marketplace. And we give you thanks and we give you praise for it all through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Uh, As we read here, remember that James is writing to Christians. He's writing to believers uh, and helping to encourage believers on how to live. And uh, we could actually break this passage down into about four different passages. uh, But uh, it's really good to see this whole thing in context. So we're going to start there with chapter 4, verse 1. What causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people... Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. One of the greatest criticisms that people have about Christianity and about the church is fighting amongst Christians. Uh, sometimes people will go to the church and, and uh, they'll see the quarrels and the fights and things like that, and it really puts them off. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times over the years I've been here at City Temple that I've had an employee come, and, I, and I, I'll interview the person, and the person will say, oh, I, I really have wanted to work for a church for a long time, and I really think it's going to be great working for a church, uh, and they go on, and, and I feel uh, that I have to burst their bubble before they start, otherwise they get so offended after about six months and find out that sometimes it's much more difficult to work in a church than it is uh, in, the, in, the, in the marketplace. Uh, the challenges sometimes that we face and the, the challenges of uh, managing one another and, and all those kinds of issues can be really, really daunting for somebody and really off-putting if they don't understand what's going to happen. In the same way, sometimes I know Christians really struggle and they feel like uh, they struggle in spiritual warfare. They feel like that they're under great spiritual attack. 
Uh, and, uh, and, I, and I know people from some cultures that are really afraid of demons uh, and afraid of Satan. And, uh, and even though they're, they're a real being, you know, we, we tell people not to be afraid of them. But at the same time, you know, they can cause a lot of issues and there can be a lot of struggles. And, and sometimes I, I know Christians who really wrestle within themselves. You know, what, uh, do, do I go with what the world wants me to do? do I, what, what does God want me to do? And they really struggle, uh, really struggle and, and are really torn. I asked a question a couple of Sundays ago in uh, our afternoon time, uh, what we call Sunday Focus, uh, on Sunday afternoon, I said, uh, is wanting a new job wrong? And how do you know if it's right or wrong? How do you know if you want a new job, how can you tell, is this something that's a godly desire that's within me? Or is this something that's coming up within me that maybe is more worldly than godly? And interestingly, the key to all of these different issues lies in one word. There's one word that if we learn and embrace and live, that will be the key to help us deal with quarrels and fights amongst Christians. That will be the key to help us deal with uh, demonic attacks that are coming against us. It's actually the key to help us deal with some of the struggles that we have uh, with the the world and what the world desires. And, and, And that key, that word, is the word humility. Humility. It's a very powerful concept, yet it's one that sometimes we don't understand. Because for some people, if you say, well, I'm humble, that means just saying, well, I'm no good for nothing, I'm terrible. Uh, Oh, that job that I did, well, it wasn't really that good. Uh, But that's not what humility is about. For other people, you use the word humble, and they think that this means that you have to be a doormat that you can never put forward your own desires, you can never put forward your own perspectives, you can never put forward what you really think that God is trying to say, but you just need to be humble and be quiet and sit in the corner and just let everybody else have their way. Now some people think that humility simply means being weak and making yourself of no account. But actually the biblical concept of humility is a bit more complicated than that. And, and the word itself sometimes is very difficult to define and understand. Uh, my friend Neil Anderson, uh, he often defines humility as confidence properly placed. So a truly humble person knows that their confidence has to be in the Lord Jesus Christ, their confidence has to be in God, and their confidence, their ultimate confidence can never be in themselves and their own skills, their own gifts, and their own ability. And certainly that is true of humility. Another way to understand humility is as the opposite of self-centeredness. There are some people who are so focused on themselves and that is the opposite of what humility is. Humility is a proper focus on other people. It's not the focus on others to the detriment of everything else, but it's certainly a proper focus on other people. I know some people, for example, that they they sound really humble. Uh, They'll say, uh, oh, I'm not really sure that God can help me. I'm really broken. My problem is really big. And and, and it's it's a struggle to get out. And I'm not sure if I can get free. Do you know that that's not humility? That's pride. 
Because the minute anybody suggests that their problem is too big for God to handle, they've just made themselves and their problem bigger than God. And what can be more proud than that? So the idea of humility is having a proper assessment of yourself in light of God, God's standards, and God's reality. Having a proper assessment of yourself in light of Jesus Christ and then acting out of that proper assessment of yourself with respect and regard to other people. That's the key dynamic there of humility. It is confidence properly placed in God, and it's also understanding who you are, the strengths that God has given you, the skills that God has given you, all to be used for the blessing of other people and the building up, both in the workplace of other people as well as in the church. And humility, this concept of humility, not a concept of weakness, not a concept of thinking that you're stupid or of no account, not a concept of thinking that you're weak and and meaningless, and not a concept of thinking that you can't make a difference. Those, Those things are not humility. But having a proper assessment of yourself, knowing who you are in relationship with God, knowing that your confidence is in the Lord, and with the Lord you can accomplish everything that God wants you to do, and having that proper Regard for other people, that's the dynamic of humility in our lives. And this dynamic is absolutely essential in many of the challenges that we face. And James here just mentions a few. He starts out, he talks about quarrels and fights. He says, what causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not that your passions or at war, are at war within you. In other words, we've got all these desires, we've got all these passions, and we start thinking, I've got to have my way. My way has got to get out there. I need to have my desires satisfied. My desires, my way, my perspective, that's the right way. I see things clearly. I know what, what needs to happen. I'm in charge. Those kinds of attitudes, those passions that rise up within us is a source of all the quarrels and fights that happen, especially among Christians. And you can see this all the time. The next time you're in the middle uh, of a quarrel or a fight at church or even at work, look at it from this perspective and you'll see what begins to happen. And so because of that, people desire and they don't have, so they murder. Now this doesn't mean that they literally murder people, but how often do we have to put other people down to get what we want? Time after time I'm talking to people and, and they'll say, oh, well, that's not that good. We're better. So often I, I hear this when I'm talking to, to people who are part of a, a church. I'll say, oh, well, you know, we're, we're better because we're, you know, we're, we're this kind of church. And, and so we do this. And, you know, that church over there, it's not really quite good. You know, it's not really as good as us. You know, you don't have to put somebody else down to affirm who you are yet. We do that all the time. People do it in the marketplace. People do it all around us. And that's what James is talking about here. It says, you covet, that means you have this desire to get something, and you don't get it, you don't get your way, you don't get what you want, and so you fight and you quarrel. And you do not have because you do not ask. How many times are we trying to push our own way to get our own way, but we don't even ask? I remember a classic example of this a couple of months ago. Many of you know that uh, our house has been worked on and we've had workers in and we had a, a one team of workers that came in 
And uh, uh, kind of the quintessential, all the bad stereotypes of British builders. You know, most of the guys that we've had have been brilliant, but this one team, they, they just like exemplified every bad stereotype. And uh, instead of asking us for a cup of tea, the man just kind of stood there, kind of jangling his, his cup a little bit. Now, of course, we don't respond to that. That's childish behavior. Uh, and so eventually, you know, he asked and we were happy to give. But so often we don't do that. We don't ask God. We don't ask other people. We expect that other people will just know what we need or, or just meet our needs. We expect uh, uh, that God will just kind of sovereignly come down and give us everything we want. But God wants us to engage with him in relationship and we need to re- have a relationship with each other. So you ask, but you don't have And then you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. Now what's asking wrongly? You're asking to spend it on your own passions. Many times I see this. Uh, So many of the quarrels in the church. Say a quarrel over church carpet and what color the carpet should be. How many times does that quarrel go on? Well, I really don't like red. I really like blue. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, I, I, I think that every church should have red carpet, you know, and blue carpet, that's of the devil. Uh, and you get into these kinds of things, and it's all about opinions. It's all about the passions that are rising up within us, and we're demanding our own way, and we're demanding that people adjust to us, and that's the opposite of humility. So you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And ultimately, James says, you adulterous people... Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? In other words, we start trying to do the things, uh, accomplish God's things in the world's way, and in doing so, we make ourselves enemies of God, which is a pretty strong statement. One of the besetting sins of City Temple, uh, leadership in City Temple, has been leaders getting God's vision for something and then saying effectively, okay, God, get out of the way and I'll make it happen. And God never responds to that. That's not the kind of thing that he wants. So don't you know, friendship with the world is enmity of God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell within us? So this is what happens. We're driven by our passions. We're driven by self-centeredness. We're getting into fights and quarrels and things like that. And consequently... Our prayers aren't answered. Things are not achieved. The kingdom does not move forward. And it can sound pretty bleak at this stage. But then James says, but hey, God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What is the key? The key is humility. I tell people here at City Temple, the sin of pride is the only sin that I genuinely fear. Uh, Other sins, I don't want to sin. I don't want to walk in any kind of sin. But I'm genuinely afraid of pride because God opposes the proud. So if we walk in pride, God, by definition, is opposed to us. And isn't that brilliant for us as Christians? That means if we walk in pride, we have two enemies, God and the devil. And they both got to kill us. It's not a very comfortable place to be. So we embrace humility. 
And that's why it says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. If we submit to God, if we submit to God's way, if we embrace humility, that is the key. And that is the key not only to overcoming these quarrels and these fights and and overcoming the passions that are at war within us, but also overcoming the attacks of the devil. Look what he says. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Why does that happen? Because we've submitted ourselves to God. So when we submit to God, then we can resist the devil and the devil cannot stand against a humble person. Do you know that? The devil cannot stand against a humble person. And he goes on, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now that's key for us to have humility. Cleanse your hands, uh, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's having a correct assessment of ourselves, our weakness, our sinfulness, coming before God with that, allowing the blood of Jesus Christ to to cleanse us. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. That is, understand what you are without God. Understand who you are without God. And that it's not a pretty picture. It's not something pleasant. Humble yourself before the Lord. Acknowledge who you really are before the Lord. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. There's power in humility when we really understand what it is and when we choose to live by humility on a day-by-day basis. There's strength in humility. It's not about other people walking over you. It's about understanding who you are in Jesus Christ and who God is in you and understanding that your life is called to be lived for other people. There is grace in humility. And Jesus ultimately is in humility because Jesus was the most humble person that ever walked the face of the earth. And so when we choose humility, not only are we choosing to overcome the fights and the quarrels and overcome the passions at war within us and overcome uh, the demonic attacks against us, But when we choose to walk in humility, we're choosing to walk the way of Jesus who died on the cross and rose from the dead for us so that we could have life and have it to the fullest as humble people created by God. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much. Thank you for this call to humility. And I pray, Father, that you'd help each of us to understand humility in our own lives and how to live out humility. To live it out not with backing down and letting people walk all over us. To live it out not with rejecting ourselves before you, but to live it out in proper relationship with you. To the fullness of your ways are accomplished in us and Jesus is glorified in us. We thank you and praise you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.